thanks for joining us. This is the Accidental Entrepreneur, a podcast featuring Kyoko CEO Tool Jane. This is our second discussion now in the series, and today's topic is all about profitability. How to get it, how to maintain it, and frankly, why it's so important. So welcome to Tool. How have you been? I've been great. Good to be here again. Good to have you back. So for the entrepreneurs out there who are just starting out in their business, how important do you think profitability is in those early days? Barbara, profitability is a mindset. In my book, startup businesses need to focus on profitability from get-go. You have to be profitable even when you have no business being profitable. Now you might ask, how is that possible? It's possible if you are willing to dig with your own hands until such time that you have the money to buy a pick and a shovel. And if you refuse to take on costs that you can't cover. Now, clearly there are exceptions to this rule, but for most companies, the ability to bootstrap in its early days is the only option. So what about those capital intensive businesses that, um, you know, they often need a lot of investment early on before they become profitable. Is that one of those exceptions? Barbara, Amazon might be an example of, uh, of something that you're referring to. Clearly, it took many years before Amazon produced a profit. And today, they are one of the most successful companies that has ever been built. It is the kind of exception uh, that I mentioned a few minutes ago. Most entrepreneurs are not capable of pulling something like that off. Clearly, I'm not. The strategy necessary to build an airplane is very different from what is necessary to build a bicycle. My advice is far more relevant to everyday entrepreneurs, not to building a Google or a Facebook or an Amazon or inventing a new drug. So that's a fair point. You know, I mean, different companies require different strategies. Um, one, you know, I read a recent blog post of yours that talks about your Volkswagen theory. Can you, uh, can you share this, this theory of yours with our listeners? Yes, Barbara, let me try to paint a picture. Think of that you're going down a highway and think of revenue as an 18 wheeler truck while you're going down this highway. Following closely behind is another 18 wheeler truck called expenses. And in this graphic representation, you know, you can think of profit as a tiny, tiny little Volkswagen that is sandwiched between these two 18 wheelers if the revenue truck slows down and the expenses truck doesn't, the Volkswagen gets crushed. If the expenses truck speeds up and the revenue truck doesn't, the Volkswagen gets crushed again. Our great effort at Tioco is to, is to protect our Volkswagen. We never want to let the expenses truck go faster than the revenue truck. <laughs> so I guess it sounds like after 25 years, your Volkswagen must still be in pretty good shape, huh? A few more miles left on it. Yes, yes. So that brings me to my next question. You know, you've, you've run this successful business for lots of years now. Do you have any tips for staying profitable over the long haul? Barbara, as I said earlier, profitability is a mindset. But in addition to that, it's also a culture and a discipline. And to build profitability over the long haul, it requires all three in that order. First comes the mindset of profitability. This is followed by a culture of cost management. And then finally, you have to build a team and a set of mechanisms that convert that 
into a discipline. I'll share a kind of a story from my early days. You know, the, it was 95, 96. We needed a three-hole puncher for the office. And I would have expected to pick one up at the garage sale for a dollar or to buy it from Staples for $5. One of my colleagues spent $25 buying an industrial strength three-hole puncher. I couldn't believe my eyes. While my reaction may have been out of proportion to the amount of wasted money, it established a tone on how we spend the company money. 25 years later, the ideology of cost management is still a defining part of Tioco in every office around the world. So how do you get your executive team and your employees on board with this philosophy? I mean, given that, you know, your earlier point about the, the $25 stapler, uh, hole punch, um, how do you get everyone on board? So Barbara, employees tend to value a company that provides job stability to its people. That becomes even more important if they enjoy the work and the people that they work with. We all want to do well financially, but we also want to be respected and valued. We want to enjoy the work we do and feel the pride that comes from a job well done. In this context, compensation is not just salary and bonus but it incorporates a much, much broader perspective. At Tioco, we do a great job of respecting our employees and providing a positive work environment. To run a financially strong business, we manage our costs tightly, sometimes a bit too tightly. Most of our people understand that and accept that. They realize that our discipline of cost management is aimed at creating a stable workplace. We also do a good job of giving our employees an opportunity to do challenging work that enables them to broaden their skills and over time, improve their cash compensation. Most of our employees can find a job with a higher salary on the outside, but it's not as clear to them if they will continue to grow, be valued and respected, and if their future employer will provide the same kind of job stability that Tioko does. We have a lot of people with very, very long tenure. They form the backbone of the company. They have Tioko blood in their veins. I'm extremely grateful for the loyalty we experience from our employees. Well, it's wonderful that Tioko has such a great environment that, that fosters that long-term stability and comfortability for comfort for your employees. Um, but, you know, I want to ask, can a business be so focused on short-term profitability that it, it negatively impacts the long-term growth? And if, you know, if, that, if that is the case, how do you balance those two? So there is an assumption, Barbara, implied in the question that I don't know that I agree with. We are not focused on short-term profitability. We are focused on building a business that is consistently profitable. The focus is on consistently profitable. It can and at times does negatively impact long-term growth. And we accept that. There are two approaches to building a successful business. You know, one approach is to be impatient for growth and be patient for profitability. And the other approach is to be impatient for profitability and be patient for growth. If one has access to sizable capital resources, it's possible to take the first approach. But candidly, I find people that take the first approach never ever get to profitability in many, many cases. For most entrepreneurs like me, that is just not an option. I didn't have enough credibility to raise 10 plus million dollars of growth capital when I started the business. In fact, I doubt that I could have raised even single digit millions. 
I remember one of our early members of our board of advisors telling me in 1997, then given that my focus on cost management, I would struggle to grow the business beyond $2 million in annual revenues. Clearly, that didn't turn out to be true. Our focus on profitability didn't stop in our tracks. Perhaps we could have grown a little faster. Our approach put a much greater emphasis on survival. That's why 25 plus years later, we are still alive and kicking when most of our competitors have vanished in thin air. Right. Well, you know, if you're going to talk about profitability, we also need to talk about costs. And you mentioned costs earlier. Are there any specific areas of Chiapas business where you like to focus your efforts when it comes to controlling costs? For most companies like us, 75% of our costs are people related. As such, to manage costs, we have to manage our people costs. There are three ways we go about doing that. The first one is we try to get the work done in small teams. This requires creating a culture where team leaders don't measure their importance by the number of people that they're managing, but by how efficiently the work is getting done. The second part is to recruit people that, that we want, not just that people we need. When you hire with a gun to your head, you invariably spend more money and you compromise on the caliber of the candidate. We tend to hire people we want, not just people we need. The third way is we try to create a positive work culture where we can attract the right kind of employees, where we can retain them for the long haul. Employee ownership and employee retention is a big part of managing our people cost. So speaking of culture, you know, Chioco is a international business. You run a multinational business where you have to uh, address lots of different cultures and lots of ways of doing business. Are there any differences really in how you manage those costs um, in the different regions or the different countries? And have you found that maybe some things work better in some areas uh, than others? Many of the decisions, Barbara, that impact the cost of our business are made in a decentralized manner or they're made locally. This includes things like office space, travel, health insurance, employee salaries, and the number of people that we hire on a particular team. It's very difficult to manage costs effectively unless everyone subscribes to that goal and proactively cooperates. While the specific implementation can vary from country to country, the success of our model is largely driven by people's cooperation and the corporate culture. We conduct you know, a global WebEx every quarter. In this global WebEx, we share our revenues, our expenses, and our profits with all of our employees. And not only do employees have that information, they can ask questions to get additional details or insights. In addition to that, Barbara, we also distribute a predetermined percentage of our profits as a bonus to our employees. Everyone shares in that in a fairly equitable manner. All of these things go about reinforcing the discipline of focusing not just on the top line, but also on the bottom line. I would say on the whole, you know, our corporate culture is more what drives it, uh, you know, uh, and our decentralized decision making. And it's probably not as geographic in nature as one might expect. So thanks to Tool, you've raised some great points today, but unfortunately that's all the time we have for everyone out there. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and if so, Please share this podcast with your friends and coworkers and be sure to follow and subscribe to the entire CEO Insights series on entrepreneurship, which you can find online at tioco.com. Thanks everyone for listening in and we hope you'll join us next month when our topic focuses on savvy decision-making.
Thanks, Atul. Thanks, Barbara. Mm -hmm.